I'm Dr. Brian Goldman, host of the CBC podcast, The Dose. Each week, we answer health topics in a smart and sometimes counterintuitive way you won't hear anywhere else. Like, what's the least amount of exercise I can do to get the benefits? Which psychedelics can improve my mental health? And how can I check for cancer if I don't have a family doctor? Top experts help me bring you what you need to know in plain language in about 20 minutes. Find The Dose on the CBC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. It's time for Ask Me Anything about Google, Meta, and Canadian journalism. The platforms know that we're at the table, we're open to discuss, but we're not open to doing nothing. Status quo is not an option. There's nothing at this point that can address our fundamental concerns with the bill, which is that it requires us to compensate news publishers for placing material on our platforms voluntarily. They are deeply concerned about this model, not as it plays out in Canada, but as it will almost certainly play out internationally. This week, the federal government announced it was suspending all advertising on Facebook and Instagram. This is part of the ongoing battle over the government's Online News Act, known as Bill C-18, which received royal assent in June. The legislation will force tech companies to pay Canadian news outlets for linking to content on their platforms. As a result, Google and Meta, which owns both Facebook and Instagram, have vowed to remove links to Canadian journalism by the end of the year. For most Canadian users, nothing has changed yet, but Meta started running a test in June, blocking Canadian news for up to 5% of Facebook users in Canada. The tech giant has stated it is not negotiating further with the government unless changes are made to the bill. However, Canada's heritage minister said this week the government is in ongoing talks with Google. As we wait to see how the story plays out, we want to focus on what this all means for those of you in Canada and the future of Canadian journalism. Chris Waddell is a professor emeritus in the School of Journalism and Communication at Carleton University. He was also a journalist with the CBC and the Globe and Mail. And Chris is here to take your calls and answer your questions. You can ask him anything. You can call us at 1-888-416-8333, 1-888-416-8333. Chris, thanks for joining us. My apologies. For some reason, my uh, line got muted. Chris Waddell, <laughs> Chris Waddell, you are guilty of the worst of the of the Zoom <laughs> sins, uh, muting yourself, but and also scaring all of us here on the network. Yes. So and that's well done. Um, and I should also point out that uh, you uh, were once, you know, I call you my boss. You were the senior producer of the National for for years and ran specials, and I had the privilege of working uh, with you and reporting to you uh, when you were at the CBC before you went to Carlton. So really nice to chat with you now that you're not on mute anymore. <laughs> And I had the privilege of working for you, Ian, yeah. working with you. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, yeah. Listen, let, let's talk about uh, Bill C-18, also known as the Online News Act. Um, it comes into effect later this year. What's the goal of it? 
the goal of it is is an attempt by government to try to, in response to to pressure from the news industry, to try to uh, force uh, Facebook, which is Meta, and Google to actually compensate news organizations for the fact that a lot of the advertising that used to appear in news in news publications and on radio and television has gravitated to Facebook and Google, and it's gravitated to Facebook and Google because they offer a, a better advertising opportunity for advertisers. They can. Uh, they can uh, target ads very directly to a small geographic area. They can uh, tell advertisers who's going to actually see the ad. And they can also then, advertisers can set up uh, a, a sort of a, a responding, send, a, send me your email if you're interested in our product, which helps an advertiser get a, a base of people that it might want to contact subsequently. And they can all, all do that much more cheaply than news organizations can because news organizations can't uh, are pre-internet institutions largely and they can't really do that so they've lost a lot of their revenue over the last 15 years it started with uh, about 2005 with a something called craigslist and kijiji followed which is the uh classified advertising that newspapers used to have and many pages in the back of a paper everybody's selling dogs to wanting to buy something and people trading things all that's gone online and then it's subsequently gone on to be major advertising that, that newspapers have lost so at one time, they got about 80% of the revenue from advertising. It's nowhere near that anymore. And uh, and as they've lost that advertising, they've found that they've had to cut back on the number of reporters they have. Uh, when they cut back on reporters, that means there's fewer uh, there's fewer stories in news in newspapers. In some cases, uh, news organizations may, if it's a community, an organization that owns a bunch of community papers, there may have been uh, individual papers or news outlets in five or six communities in a geographic area. They've been consolidated into one, which means there's not as much local news in the local communities. And the audiences react by saying, we don't really need to subscribe or listen or watch anymore because the material that was there once isn't there anymore. And when that happens, there's less advertisers say, we, want to, uh, we, we won't pay as much for ads that are still in the news media because your circulation's not what it was or your audience isn't. So they cut back on their advertising. The news organizations then cut the number of reporters they have again. And we've been in this vicious circle for about uh, five or six years now. And simultaneously, uh, as people maybe don't buy subscriptions to online publications for lots of different reasons, including right. the ones you set out there about uh, diminishing content on a lot of papers. So while that's going on, at the same time, people can go to Facebook or follow Twitter and get links to individual articles and then click through and see those and do it all for the most part for free. And I know sometimes things are behind a paywall, but you can you can still see a lot of uh, Canadian media content for free through Facebook, let's say, or Twitter. That's right. And, and Google. And, and then these tech giants are making huge amounts of money. I don't know how much money they make because they, they provide those links, but all in all, they make a huge amount of money. Uh, hence, I guess the attempt by the government to to have some of that money flow to the, the content creators. Here's a question, Chris. I wouldn't ask you if you were a journalist, but I can ask you as a professor or <laughs> professor emeritus of journalism. Do you think Bill 6, C-18, the Online News Act, um, is a good idea? Uh, I'm not convinced that it's a good idea. And, and in fact, within the news industry, there are people who are favorite and there are people who are opposed to it. The people who are favorite generally tend to be the existing news organizations who've suffered uh, some of the worst uh, the worst declines of, ad of advertising revenue and, and shrinkage in the last few years. The interesting thing is they originally, whether it's the Toronto Star or the National Post or the, or the Globe and Mail, they originally thought posting material on Facebook or Google would be great because it would then people would see 
the short versions of the stories and a headline that click on it and go to the and go to the news organization site. And the news organization thought having traffic driven to them that way would be a huge benefit for them because they they thought our audiences would then stick around to the news organization site, read other stories, uh, look at the things that are on the news organization site, advertising, maybe click on an ad that's there, and it would all help the, the bottom line in the advertising revenue from the news industry. But what they discovered was that in fact, in fact, audiences' habits have changed so that you see something on Facebook or Google, you click on it, you go to the news site, and you read the story that actually was on the news site, but you don't hang around on that news site anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's when that's when it turned, and people then go back to Facebook, they might go somewhere else. But the benefits that news organizations thought they would get from having that traffic given to them have turned out to be largely illusory. And at that point, they started to say, well, the news organization should have to pay for just have to pay us for for they say stealing the content, which frankly isn't really true because it's not the whole content. You still have to go to the news organization's website. Mm-hmm. So it's it's um it, at the where the, the legislation is passed at the moment. It won't come into effect until the end of the year. Uh, Google and and I think probably Facebook Meta are waiting to see what the regulations are going to be because that will determine how it's actually going to be applied in more detail. And when we see those, then we'll see whether. We're in a period where everybody's just having a phony war at the moment, and there will ultimately be some sort of agreement, or whether, in fact, it will break down completely. And if it breaks down completely, the news organizations will not get the money they thought they were going to get. And in fact, some of the deals that have been done between Google uh, and and some news organizations already uh, will not be continued with, and that'll create more problems for uh, for news organizations as they'll lose even more money. Yeah. And, some, and, yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry. sorry. No, no, you go ahead. I was going to say there are some news organizations, mostly new ones, that have started up and are only online that have actually managed to be successful and are doing quite well. And they're not very much in favor of what this is, of this whole process. They've some of them have worked out deals with uh, with Facebook and Google themselves. They're happy with the traffic that's being driven. There's an organization called Village Media, which has moved into a lot of communities in Canada where newspapers have shut down, have hired some of the former reporters at those newspapers and are running an online local news site that seems to be doing fairly well. And there are also um, news organizations that concentrate on an issue or two. Maybe it's the environment, maybe it's sports, maybe it's arts and culture, rather than to try to provide everything for everyone. And they're doing well too, because they their reporters manage to, because they're only focused on an issue or two, they they often are able to understand what are pretty complicated questions sometimes and are able to provide more stories in more detail and more context. And they know more about the issues than a lot of reporters do these days because with the cutbacks at mainstream news organizations, there are fewer and fewer specialist reporters and more more generalists. So, And generalists who may have an issue thrown at them one day and a totally different issue thrown at them another day uh, at a time of trying to deal with things like how do we fix our healthcare system or or how do we uh, how do our climate change or environmental issues? They're at a big disadvantage, and and so the people who are people are paying money to subscribe to some of these smaller publications uh, because they think they're getting better information and they're interested in what's being produced, and they're not as convinced that some of the mainstream news organizations are still able to provide that to them. 
Man, uh, you know, as you say that, I wonder, will, will are, are newspapers kind of the, the journalism equivalent of the department store? And if they are, I hope they fare better than the department stores because I'm a, still a big fan of, uh, uh, you know, newspapers. I still rely on them, still buy subscriptions to them, and uh, we absolutely still need them. But it's also an indication that in this Ask Me Anything, although we can talk specifically about this fight between the federal government through Bill C-18 and the tech uh, giants – uh, we can also talk about just uh, the state of of newspapers and local news because that's an important part of it. And CBC obviously has a stake in this. I should say on this program, we went ahead as a program team. We, we found this an interesting topic, not at the behest of our management, although we, we did ask our management uh, for a statement. Um, and here's what CBC spokesperson Leon Marr uh, gave us. Uh, we believe the Online News Act will contribute to the sustainability of news organizations at a time when 80% of digital ad revenue goes to Facebook and Google. It will help ensure that all Canadian media organizations, regardless of their size, are able to receive fair compensation for the content they produce. I was going to go, Chris, to you uh, and get you to respond to that, but you kind of already did uh, in your last answer. So let's actually go to our first call. And before we do that, let me remind uh, people who maybe have just turned their radio or device on. This is our Ask Me Anything feature. And we're with Chris Waddell, a professor emeritus at the Carleton School of Journalism. And before that, a, a journalist at both the CBC and Google. And uh, you um, can ask him anything. Well, but and not Google. Oh, sorry. Yes, that's right. I was reading, I was reading Google and, uh, and, and, and thinking Globe and Mail. Thank you for uh, correcting me. Always the editor, Chris. Um, we even now after my, uh, after Mute. That's right. Mute. That's right. Um, but you can ask him about uh, about what's going on with Google, uh, Meta, and Canadian journalism. One eight 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 four one six eight three three three. Lauren Statham uh, called that number, and she is on the line from Ottawa. Hi, Laurel. Hi. Do you mind if I correct your my name? Statham. Right. L- Laurel. Laurel Statham. Yes. Okay. I do not. I do not mind at all. Yes. No. I, I appreciate that actually. Um, and uh, yeah. What's your question for Chris? So my question is: as a background, I'm a teacher, and in particular, I'm a French immersion teacher. And mm-hmm. getting um, con- like Canadian content can be rather um, difficult sometimes, even now when there's when there is no content ban. How is? I guess I'm more concerned about Google and that like when I search things or try and find things for my students, that I'm not going to be able to get Canadian content with this ban. How is this going to affect um, teachers? And like I said, I'm a French immersion teacher, so um, and I'm an Anglophone, so um, it's, again, that much harder for me to find Canadian content and then Canadian content in French. So I'm wondering how that's going to impact me as a teacher. Sure. I think a couple, well, I should start out by saying we don't really know the answer to that yet. Uh, Google's talked about suspending all Canadian news, but it's not really clear what they're going to define as being a Canadian news organization. So we're going to have to wait and see uh, if they don't reach an agreement with government and see what actually happens with that. Now, there are some opportunities for you as well. You can subscribe to a news organization or or maybe the school board you work for can subscribe or the library and get and give you uh, let you get access to that news uh, site and that news organization through that means. Uh, also, there's Radio Canada, which is uh, which is available. To come back to Ian's point from a second ago, which is uh, available and freely available, and their their website searchable as well. And so there will, are and will be uh, news organizations that are out there, but we're not quite sure yet how restrictive whatever Google might do is going to be. 
And and uh, there are also other um, search engines and other uh, opportunities to look um, to look for information online. So Google controls a big part of the search engine market, but they're not the only search engine out there. And some of the others out there, Bing, which is owned by Microsoft, there's a couple of others too. Uh, they may actually uh, try to exploit that and exploit Google's decision and see if they can do something to promote their own uh, their own um, place in Canada, to try to increase their own market share in Canada. Oh, Yahoo or Bing it is for me, eh? <laughs> yeah, it could, well, it could be or Duck, Duck, Go, or there's a variety of different ones that are that are that are out there. So, but there's also, but but one of the key things is one of the problems news organizations have faced for a long time is persuading people to buy subscriptions. And so, um, mm-hmm. if more people buy subscriptions on online, uh, you get an opportunity to actually get the, all the information. And usually, it also entails whatever sort of library. Uh, the news organization organization might have that you, would you be able to get as well? Yeah, I'm trying to keep my own money in my own pocket, and not spend no, my own I, money on my job. But, <laughs> but you should, but you should check and see what the local library does. Uh, libraries subscribe to a lot of databases these days, and and uh, and or the school board may subscribe to a local database that you could get through your own library through either the school board library or 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 the local public yeah. library. Perfect. All right, Laurel, well, thank, thank you very much. Thank you for taking my call. And Ian, I'm, I love the National. Sorry, I just want to get that in there. And I'm disappointed when you're not there. You or Adrian aren't there. So well, you're like our normal teachers. And when we have another, like a cutting and supply teacher. <laughs> well, that's very nice of you. And I'll be on tonight and uh, have an interesting interview. I'll talk about that at the end of, of the program. But Laurel, thank you so much for your call. Perfect. Have a good day. I'm speaking to you at a moment of grave crisis. I'm Jeff Turner, and this is Recall. It's a series about history. Not the ancient past, but history that's still hot to the touch. In this first season, I explore a revolutionary political movement that brought a modern democracy to the brink. You can find Recall, How to Start a Revolution, on the CBC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. Chris, when you were at uh, the Globe, it was, I guess, yeah, it was long before um, newspapers had to worry about uh, people, you know, getting things for free online. But uh, it sure is tough, I think, for uh, a lot of people to to think about paying for content these days. People who would have bought a newspaper without a second thought, um, I find a lot of them seem to have a hard time wrapping their heads Mm -hmm. around the idea for paying for a newspaper online. Well, you're right, Ian, and that's been one of the big problems over the last seven or eight or ten years for news organizations, because as they've seen their advertising revenue decline, they've tried to replace it with subscriber revenue, people who would subscribe primarily online. Uh, and some have been successful at doing that. Interestingly, the most successful ones seem to be ones that have a, a significant business component and business news component. So mm-hmm. the Global Mail report on business, for instance, the Financial Times of London, the Wall Street Journal, the uh, the New York Times. Some they've all done fairly well, in part because people are prepared to pay money if they think the information they're getting them might either help them make money or or help them not lose money. And and also there's a fair number of people who work for employers who think it's important that their employees be on top of what the news is. And so they're prepared to buy subscriptions for their employees, which they can deduct as a business expense. So uh, if you look at at one, there's the Reuters Institute, uh, which is at Oxford University in England, does an annual survey of news or of uh, digital news in about 40 or 50 countries. It's easy to find online if people are interested. Canada is one of the countries that it does survey. At one point, 
for a long time, it was about eight or nine percent of respondents said they were subscribing to they would they would pay for online and we're paying for online news. In the last year or two, that went up to 13 or 14 percent. And uh, some people thought that might have been in part as people got used to paying for music through, say, Apple Music or Spotify, mm -hmm. or some of those some of those uh, online uh, services. But in the last year or so, it's gone back down to about nine or 10 percent, which I uh, don't know why. It may be because people, it may be part of what I was talking about earlier, which maybe people feel that there's less information in some of these that there used to be. And there's also, of course, the, the, the problem you mentioned, which is that people think they can get it for free and audiences, uh, audiences are not, at one point, news organizations served as your editor, so you didn't have to do any editing yourself. But now, in the in the world we're in now, you as the reader almost have to become the editor at the same time, mm -hmm. and that means you have to search through different publications, different uh, different sites to gather what news and information you actually get. And some people are are willing to do that. Some people are less willing to do that. And some people have more trouble than others in. Uh, in determining the quality of the news and information that they're actually reading and seeing. And that plays a role in it, too. Yeah, you know, I try to avoid editorial comments, but I'll make one right now. I highly encourage people to to pay for an online subscription to the newspaper or newspapers that they uh, rely on. Um, it, you know, it took me a while to kind of get my head around that also, but now I do have a, a series of subscriptions and it's nice to go to their apps and kind of get unlimited access to what they're doing and know that I'm paying for what they're doing out there. So, um, yeah, so that's my editorial comment for the day. We're talking to Chris Waddell, Professor Emeritus at Carleton University, and before that, a journalist for CBC and not Google, but the Globe and Mail. And he's here to answer your questions about the state of newspapers, of, of online publishing, but more specifically about this battle that seems to be going on between the federal government and some of the tech giants about carrying Canadian news. Um, now, here's, you know, I'm, I'm, Chris, I'm reading this question ahead, and I'm not quite sure where it leads us, but let me ask this. We sure. have cbc.ca slash aircheck. People can connect with us and make comments. And, and another Chris, Chris Smith in Toronto, uh, wrote this. Why is advertising the best way to pay for journalism? It may have been a workable way for the past 300 years, but is it time to step back and ask about the best models going forward rather than desperately holding on to a model that no longer works? Chris? Um, that's a, probably something you could describe about horse and buggies moving into cars as well and other and <laughs> other things like that. It's, it's a very good argument. And in fact, some people, the, the smaller publications I was talking about earlier, the more focused ones, in fact, aren't relying very much on advertising. The, some of them are. Uh, the village media ones that have moved into a lot of communities in Ontario take advertising and, and have local advertising. But, but uh, the news industry has proven pretty reluctant to move away from advertising as a source of revenue in in part because it's been unable to persuade people to pay money to buy for on, to buy online news but part of the problem there as well might be and i would argue it is that when news organizations were when we talked a couple of minutes ago Ian, about people being driven by facebook and google to a news organization's website but not sticking around at that website mm -hmm. some of the problem some of the problem is that news organizations don't do a very good job of making the user experience of news sites yep. very attractive absolutely a lot of, uh, stories are broken up into very small chunks with ads in between or other things in between you so you've got to scroll after screen yep. after screen if you're watching videos you sometimes have to watch up to four or five commercials before the video actually comes on and people uh, like audiences aren't stupid audiences say why am i doing this so yep. news organizations haven't spent enough time trying to make the user experience uh, 
uh, something that would make audiences want to hang around where they may actually be able to find uh, read some of the ads mm-hmm. that the news organizations are actually paying for. Let me jump in. We've got three minutes left in the program, and I'm going to go to one more call. So Michael Depp is calling from Sussex, New Brunswick. And Michael, and I'll mention this to Chris as well, we've got uh, three minutes for both the question and the answer. But uh, Michael, thank you very much for calling. What's your question for Chris Waddell? Thanks for taking my call. And let me just preface this by saying that by, by profession, I'm an editor of a of a publication that covers the broadcast industry. And so oh. I look at this and I'm also, and it's based in the U.S. I'm a part-time uh, Canadian resident. And so I've been watching this development with meta and social platforms with great interest to see how it's going to play out. And I guess my question is twofold because here in New Brunswick, where I am, and since I've been here, there's been a very deeply concerning widening news desert. And so we have fewer and fewer sources of local information. CBC is actually probably the best uh, available in the entire province in terms of, but it can't keep up with, uh, it's a big place. A lot of people used to be super served by by newspapers in very small communities, and those don't exist, or they're a shell of what they were. And so that dynamic of a widening news desert, I've seen it firsthand play mm-hmm. out here in, in New Brunswick. So my question is, what so far is known about the likely knock-on effects of basically all the Canadian news outlets being severed from their social media accounts and components, that they can't drive traffic anymore. In terms of the likelihood to have a a pretty quick um, impact on these widening news deserts and also for their revenue. I mean, Mm -hmm. are there any sort of projections available yet for how deeply impactful this could be for media outlets? All right, Michael, thank you very much for your call. And uh, Chris, I hate to do this to you, but really, we only have a minute left uh, to address that. Sure. Um, the, the quick answer is we don't really know yet, um, because we don't know actually what the final, whether there is going to be a deal or not be a deal and what the terms of the deal might be. I think uh, the one thing you can be sure of is that we're in the midst of a, a big disruption in the industry. It's a disruption that's been going on for quite a while now. Uh, it will end up taking some of the existing players out of the industry. And that may not be a bad thing because some of the existing players are taking up space that might uh, best be occupied by new people with new ideas. But we need to see a little bit about where the landscape is going to go before we know exactly what that's going to be. And we also need to see what the regulations are under Bill C-18 and whether that triggers more negotiations between Google, which it may, and whether it leads Meta, Facebook to actually think about continuing or whether they're going to be resistant and continue to resist in there. And again, the Reuters Institute report I talked about, it also showed that last year, only 29% of people said they were getting news on from Facebook, whereas the year before, 40% of people said they hmm. were. So that seems to be a declining... People's use of Facebook for news may be a declining trend in Canada, which may make it easier for Facebook to try to walk away from it, which, of course, it's also doing because it wants to send a message to other countries that might want to do this, that might want to have legislation like Canada. Chris, you've always been a thoughtful, informed voice uh, as a colleague and now as an academic and really nice having you on the show. Thank you very much. Thanks very much, Ian. It's been lots of fun. Chris Waddell, a professor emeritus in the School of Journalism and Communication at Carleton University. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.